Hey, how you guys doing? This is the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to the, uh, the comic book show uh, presented by Brothers Comics where we walk through some modern day books and usually have a throwback Thursday to classic X-Men stories. Not so much tonight. Uh, we got a lot of books to review from Marvel Legacy. On the line tonight are my two favorite mutants. Um, on the line is mutant number one. It's Brother Beavis. Brother Beavis, say what's happening. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, everybody. And also on the line tonight is the Sandman. Sandman, say what's up. Thank you all, fellow mutants. What's going on? That's right. Yeah, we're all here tonight uh, gathered to go through a, a, a large swath of books. Uh, when Marvel Legacy started, we had decided that we were going to, um, you know, kind of take on our own book to see what we wanted. And this was one of the ones that I, uh, a couple of the ones on here are the ones that I had picked. And a couple of the other ones are uh, ones that the Sandman had picked. And Brother Beavis is, you know, we're all big X-Men fans, so we're kind of taking those together. So uh, we're going to start from the top. We've got five books to review tonight. Um, uh, we're going to end with the X-Men like we always do. Uh, and so the first book tonight is The Champions. Now, who got a chance to read The Champions? Now, I know Brother Beavis didn't because he's, He's anti these new teenage heroes. I just wanted I just wanted to make it clear because I I could see the mic turning to me like right now and me being like, Whoop. <laughs> so I, want, I just wanted to make it clear that I was not planning to read it. Yeah, I, I did I did read it myself. Okay, yeah, these are the hashtag champions, not the um, still using phone book not champions. Hashtag versus has been champions. <laughs> Um, it's Champions uh, issue 13 It's by, I want to say it says Mark Wade and Umberto Ramos And I got a real quick thing about Umberto Ramos His art has changed over time um, I'm not sure if it's a good thing Or a bad thing, but it's definitely changed <laughs> um, But yes It's a pickup from the Avengers story From two weeks ago that we reviewed uh, On the podcast And uh, it basically Ended that issue ended after um, the High Evolutionary sent some one of his um, I, we're going to call it the Minotaur sent the Minotaur to Earth and with uh, with him saying there was some sort of there was some sort of disturbance and then all, all of these um, the buildings the highest buildings or the tallest buildings in the world had all started vibrating and so the team started out in Lexington Kentucky and got dispatched the champions and the Avengers dispatched all over the Earth. And to uh, handle these, uh, to go see what they could do about these situations. So, team number one was at with the Minotaur, and that is Hercules and Totally Awesome Hulk. And, go ahead. Uh, I didn't say anything. I was a little... <laughs> okay. Sorry. Yeah, they were having a battle with uh, with the Minotaur, and that was team number one. Team number two. Uh, that was split up there, and they are in. Oh golly, what did I do with my note? Yeah, I've got team, a subject. Yeah, team number two to Dubai. Dubai. Spider Piles, Cyclops, and the Vision. Um, and the Vision goes through this whole process of where uh, he has to use his powers to like kind of go really dense, but yeah. he has to use his ability to not be dense. Uh, to stop the building from vibrating. It, it's really super complicated, Brother Beavis. Like, his powers... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, it didn't exactly make sense to me, but I'm like, okay, comic books, whatever. So keep going. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. Hashtag comics. I think we've used the term uh, nebulous powers. It was like, okay. Yeah. It, it, his powers changed to fit the story. 
I kind of prefer that, though, to the sort of modern day, just hit harder as the answer to most problems. So. Uh, and you know what? The, yes, that would definitely work. Um, it was an interesting team, though. You know, you put Spider-Miles, Cyclops, and Vision together. There's a lot of back and forth between Spider-Miles and Cyclops, you know, kind of jokey here and there. Um, but, yeah, they were just there to rescue the people while Vision did his power thing. Team number two was Spider-Parker. Wasp, no, excuse me, Spider-Parker, Thor, and Miss Marvel. And uh, Thor is going to use the her, uh, the hammer to kind of stop the building from vibrating in some sort of way. Um, there's a line there where Spider-Man is giving Miss Marvel props, like, you're one of the smartest heroes on the planet. And I was like, hey, man. Unless you kind of like... <laughs> Uh, seen a little bit of pandering since Spider-Man is one of the smartest heroes in the, on the planet and whatnot, but, you know, he's praising her leadership style and all of those types of things. And then team number three, which was in Shanghai, was Wasp and Nova. Nova, and, yeah. Yeah, and Nova's going to stop the building from vibrating because uh, here we go with some nebulous powers. He's almost as strong as the Hulk. Since when? <laughs> when did that jewel of information ever get uh, mentioned? Uh, that's new to me. I mean, I know he's strong, but the Hulk? Yeah. Nah. Brother Beavis, when you read those Marvel encyclopedias, um, was Nova <laughs> rocking uh, earthly strength? No, no. He was, uh, if you you may not be aware of this, uh, The uh, when the New Warriors were formed, Nightthrasher tried to model them off the Fantastic Four, and I believe uh, Nova was supposed to be, I think he was supposed to be the thing. Uh, so he might have thing quality strength, but I think even that, yeah, I think he'd be lucky to beat out Spider-Man in the strength department. <laughs> yeah, I would say more incredible, not def. I don't even think amazing is uh, uh, in his uh, in his book of. Uh, now, if all they had to do was say, I can draw upon, if I, when I draw upon the white dwarf star or whatever, then I can be, a, you know, they could have gone that route. But that would have been say straight up, temporarily. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was just weird, and, you know, yeah, and he's supposed to be really smart, and he's using the physics of pushing against the building at a certain percentage at his level of strength to stop it, to get it to stabilize or whatnot. I mean, it was, I mean, it's an all because comics type of moment, but, you know, it worked. It did whatever it had to do. Right. And then the final team, which was back in New York City, is Viv, Falcon. Yeah, Viv and Falcon. And they're at one one World Trade Center. Um, the building's going nuts. And... <laughs> uh, we get this moment back where, we, if you listen to last week's podcast with, um, where we reviewed Falcon number one. The Falcon. <laughs> yeah. Um, we talked a lot about the Falcon and that book. Uh, back in this book, the Falcon's able to, he's going to ca- commandeer a, a large, what's a large group of birds called? A flock. A flock. Flock, okay. He commandeers like flock of birds. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And um, he commandeers all these birds, and then the birds are going to be his eyes and ears. So the birds are all over the building because they can't get into the building because of the vibrations, and they're going to be his eyes and ears and be able he can he can see through the birds' eyes and see what's going on. Like again, this also and again, 
maybe he had this power before. I knew his ability to talk to the birds. <laughs> but now Aquaman. Yeah. Yeah. And real quick, where exactly did he get this power? He's not a mutant, correct? He's just an alternate no, human. They teased that he was a mutant in his like limited series because he was fighting a sentinel. Sentinel, but if I recall correctly, it was like a reprogrammed and messed up sentinel. And I always thought like he might have had a bond with Red Wing, but I, thought, thought. I didn't think he had a global ability to talk to fish. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you. Why not? Uh, I can see through the eyes of the birds. They'll tell me which section to go to next. Mm, uh, that's very Aquaman-esque. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, we talked on the podcast last week. We're not. Nobody's really sure what's going to happen to Falcon here. Like, with now that he's not going to be Sam Wilson, Captain America, it could be um, straight down to Sunday night wrestling for a Sam Wilson yeah. man. <laughs> It could be Sam Wilson, office worker, uh, yeah. nine to fiver. You know, yeah, former, former, former superhero. You know, where's my super suit, Sam Wilson? More, um, more likely, Sam Wilson, uh, Comic Con uh, frequent guest, and <laughs> hitting people for sixty dollars for a, a picture and an autograph. Oh man, that's probably the more likely outcome. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be that dude on the side that nobody goes to. It's like, oh, he's sitting right next to Virgil. Yeah, that's was Captain America for like five minutes. Yeah, he, he, yeah, but we got the real one back, so nobody With does. Virgil and Sam Wilson. Yeah. yeah. We're going to need yeah. to get that story where Big Hutch gets hustled by Sam Wilson for an action figure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Genius. Uh, All right, so... Yeah, and, and back to yeah, back to New York, and then back to Lexington. Everybody comes back to fight the Minotaur, and the Minotaur essentially, you know, gets them to be monologuing and tells that he essentially had. I mean, we're crossing streams here. A mother box, and that mother box there, it wasn't set off. It, you know, they weren't able to stop it in time from clicking to zero, and you know, all of his plan has been set into motion at this point in time, and at the end of the book. Vision, Vision, Viv, and Falcon start to dematerialize, and then they pop up in some unknown place um, at the end. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Who is um, the actual villain of this thing? Ultimately, I guess when it's part of the high evolutionary, but... Yep, go yeah, ahead. So, yeah. So this, this is literally a minotaur in the creation of, of high evolutionary. Yeah, they, uh, the High Evolutionary has uh, a, a group of um, of those creatures, and they have a name. Yeah. I can't remember what it is. Like, is, it, is it the Animan? No, Animan Is was, it the Animan or something like that? No, Animan was, uh, I believe, was uh, the dude that killed Thunderbird. Baron, uh, uh, not more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Count um, Nefaria. Yeah, that, that's the one. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, that that was the enemy. Uh, they fought the X Men, which was how confusing is that? Um, yeah, but yeah, these are like his his boys, his henchmen, and they kind of uh, worship him as a god, pretty much. That's uh, one of the Minotaurs. They basically said some of his dialogue. So yeah, they're just pretty as much getting now. Which like as yeah. the producer would say, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's, it's, you know, again, 
you have the crossover with the two teams that like you did in the Avengers book too. They're building up to something. This, the new thing is this ascension. There's some sort of story that's going to come out of this, and it starts in two weeks. And in, in the Avengers called Ascension. You know, I'm not sure. What it, I've already. Spoiler alert uh, for the X Men. So I guess apparently the new storytelling mechanism is get way too many people together, split them up, and then suck them off into other dimensions. Yeah, <laughs> and, that, and that's basically the plot of every six dollar comic book you can find right now. Well, and well, spoiler alert before the next book that we go into as well. Um, part of this is a, a part of the problem with Marvel Legacy, or the issue that they're having with Marvel Legacy is that they have all the Plessy versus Ferguson heroes that they don't uh-huh. know what to do. And right. you're going to have to come up with these plots to have them in the books, but not have them be the, star, the stars of the books anymore. And that's a problem. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. That being said, we're off to Iron Man. Invincible <laughs> Iron Man. Uh, it's the new man, by the way. Thank you, Google. Oh, okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember what that was. Yeah. yeah before, before, we get it, before we get into that, there's some weird relationship with Vision and Viv going on in these books, too. Now, people that have read it, I've read it. I, yeah, I didn't read that Vision book, but from people that I hear that have read it, they said that it was really good. It was weird, but good. And yeah. I don't know, I'm sure that there's something going on with their relationship. Well, from I was following some reviews of it, uh, or some recaps, and, you know, the, so he has his family, and uh, I think the mom, I know the mom goes essentially psychotic, and I don't know what happens to the son, but mm-hmm. Vision and Viv are the only two that make it out of that story alive, I think. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I mean, something happens to his son, yeah, and then his mom, then the mom goes berserk, and then the Avengers kill her, or defeat her, and then Vision goes, puts foot and ass on all of them, and then I think it just sort of ends. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so I mean, I guess that will be revealed. I don't, I don't think that book exists anymore. I don't think it's still a monthly. Uh, I think that's a twelve issue. I don't know if he's going to have another one. It was a limited series, I think. Yeah. Okay. It's probably coming up on uh, uh, Marvel Unlimited sooner or later. So. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I want to read that. Yeah, it's uh, um, it, it has gotten a lot of acclaim. Uh, yes. more than one person say that was really good. So, going to have to read it. All right. So yeah. So our next legacy book then, after we leave, you know, the champions not legacy book. Our next book is uh, Iron Man. Uh, number 593. Remember, as a part of Marvel, Marvel Legacy, they went back to the traditional numbering. Oh, numbering, uh, So this is Invincible Iron Man number 593. This was the book that was populated by Riri Williams, or Ironheart, um, during the Plessy versus Ferguson era. Uh, and now, as the traditional heroes make their way back, there was two Iron Man books. There was one that was Invincible Iron Man, which was uh, the Riri Williams book, and then there was a different Iron Man. Um, there were actually three Iron Man books. There was International Iron Man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't free. It was like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, they were getting to have like the number of books like uh, Austin Powers. Uh, <laughs> it was like, yeah. uh, dark, uh, Man of Mystery. Um, yeah. It, it, it was well, wasn't it was wasn't Doctor Doom an Iron Man or something? Yes, he was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Infamous Iron Man. Yeah. Yes. 
and I can't remember the the name of that particular version of the book. Infamous but is what Sam. Yeah, that comes yeah. back in this one as well. So basically, the the plot of this book is Tony Stark is missing, which came up in the Marvel Legacy book that we reviewed, and nobody knows where he is. But as a backstory, yeah. too, they introduce us uh, to a scene. Uh, at the Stark Expo, and I, I'm bringing this back up, and, I, and y'all, I never sent y'all the notes because I was running late, but do y'all ever remember the Stark Expo being a thing before the movie? No. It didn't exist. As far as I'm, I, I know. Okay. Brother Beavis, Stark Expo. No, I, that's not my uh, wheelhouse. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. In, in, in the time I collected Iron Man, I actually used to read the book. I mean, this we're talking a while ago, but I never saw anything like that <laughs> beforehand. Right. You know, the Stark Expo, a, a huge thing and plot line for Iron Man 2. Um, a huge plot line for Iron Man 2. It, it becomes a, a talking point in this book only because he's missing, but they're still holding the, the Stark Expo. His mom air quotation, or one of his moms, and again, I didn't read this book, so I can't, I can't go all the way in on this, but one of his moms, I don't know what that means, is there, and she's upset that, you know, she's he's not there, and, you know, whatever. If anybody can help, you know, bring Tony back, that'd be great. Uh, Mary Jane, I was reading the book at this point, Mary Jane runs the company now. That's Mary Jane Watson, not some other Mary Jane. Uh, yeah, I got the backstory on that. Um he basically brought her in, you know, after Peter Parker became like uh, like a billionaire or whatever um, in this area, in the era after Doctor Doom or Doc Octopus took over his body and became Spider Man or whatever, and their uh-huh. marriage relationship fell apart. You know, she had not a lot, but he had this relationship with Peter when he was uh, became Spider Man again, and so he tried to take, you know, to help take care of her, and so he gave her this position. And now she's kind of risen up the ranks in, in a Pepper Potts-like manner to now she is really essentially the CEO of the company uh, in his absence. Um, again, which, which made me think, did, did Marvel lose the rights to Pepper Potts in the movies or something? That's because what I'm wondering. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about crossing streams. Yeah, it's weird having Mary Jane and Iron yeah. Man. You well, know. you know, she was the worst part of one book already, so or one, <laughs> one series, so you know, why not go for two? Let's ruin another one. Uh, and I, I want—I have to give props when Big Hutch listed her as one of Spider-Man's five greatest enemies. That was it for me. <laughs> he does have his moments. Um, as a part of the expo, there's a couple of shots on this wide shot that they have here. Uh, one is of the Fantastic Four, which is going to come up here again in a minute. Um, there's another shot of like a little Black Panther, like kind of sneaking through. And then there's a shot of the Illuminati, actually, as well. Um, so, you know, it, it, they're, tying, they're trying to tie all this stuff in together, I guess. But um, the, the overall plot is, one, is an, an, an overused Iron Man plot, I would say. Uh, the comp- somebody in the, at the board of directors is trying to take the company from Tony because of his <laughs> um, eccentric lifestyle or whatever. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a trope for the Iron Man books anymore. Um, it, that's that's part of it, and then the other part is is that there was a a, a prison outbreak in uh, in the facility that when Doctor Doom was Iron Man, he was dropping all these criminals off in one spot. They all broke out, and this is the breakout, just like the cartoon, and. Uh, 
now that they've broken out, everybody's trying to figure out what to do, and then he shows up in his Doctor Doom Iron Man costume to try to figure out what happened and try to recapture the heroes, but he's met by um, uh, Ben Grimm, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., essentially, and basically they have this back and forth, you know, where Doom's like, you know, I've been trying to redeem myself and do what's right, and uh, things just flat out, you ain't shit. I mean, that's basically what it is. I mean, and this is the quote. I mean, and it's a beautiful shot. I posted it, I think, to Facebook. Now, he's looking, the, the artist on this, on this, yeah, he draws. Hello? Yeah. We're getting some weird feedback. Okay, yeah, um, he draws thing on there, like on a reflection on it. He's like, there ain't no, there's no damn thing that you can do to make people forgive what you've done. You got a little lost boy. And you're dying to be heard now. Well, boo-hoo, we all do. All, and mine's buried in concrete. You made your choices, Vic. Your whole life, you knew, you know it, too. And even if you could get everyone on the planet to forget it, even if you became the favor of the month, everyone's favorite uh, expletive, the jerk need, we need in these crazy times. Nobody was trust you. I mean, that's a great freaking scene. And, um... He's like, you know, you'll never be Reed Richards. You always have to be it, and you blew it. And, and wow. instead of having a, a quippy comeback, he just uses magic to disappear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no comeback. Wow. Yeah, he was just like, gone. So, yeah, it's awesome. So, again, the thing appears in, we've, how many books have we, we've done on this? He's appeared in two of them now. Brother Beavers, are the Fantastic Four coming back? What did you say? Are they, are they what? Are they coming back? Are they coming back? Uh, it sure seems like it, but I feel like they're going to leave it for a while. And particularly if the goal is to, to, to do this uh, uh, Fantastic Four daycare movie with uh, the children. So yeah, I think the real like question are, are Reed and Sue coming back, I think is the better question. Yeah, yeah we haven't seen them yet. Um, we've seen everybody but them. We've seen uh, Josh. And 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 thing, and then we saw Valeria and uh, what's what's his Frank. name? Yeah, Frank. Frank. So yeah, um, but it just seems that they're dropping so many hints about the Fantastic Four, and again, it leads to this conversation. Like you know, they're gonna pump the Fantastic Four again. Is there that backdoor where Marvel is gonna use those characters? Um, and again, I've been saying this to y'all for a while now. I have a strange feeling that the Fantastic Four are going to show up in some version for Black Panther. I've been saying this for, you know, like mm. nine months now because they would make the most sense being in his movie of some sort. That would be that would be quite the damn um, um, event if they could do something like that. I still don't think it's going to happen because I'm just a skeptic, skeptic, I guess, at heart. But, um, and because I think Fox is just that petty, but still... <laughs> Um, that would be great if they could pull something like that off. That would be huge. And if you could just put them in the movie as characters and not go through the story again and just, you know, have their power sets and just have them slide right in, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. 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 I mean, even if it's just like a, a, a cameo Easter egg of some sort, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it just seems, it just, it just seems, they're, they're just too much back and they have not necessarily been on the page of making, um, you know, pumping Fox characters. They just haven't been doing it. So I'm kind of interested to see if that's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, Tony Stark is missing all the women in his life, including Friday, and that's a whole side comment here, too. 
Uh, Friday, the AI is also helping run the company as well and helping Mary Jane. And uh, Tony had some nanotech in in his body, even though he was in a coma, and they still can't find him. Like, there's no has no idea where he is. His body has disappeared. And the book ends with like some dude crawling out of like a nano chamber. Um, doesn't look like Tony Stark. He's bald. He's bald. Yeah. And uh, he climbs himself into armor, and he's but he's on the ground. Like when he gets into the armor, he never actually gets up, and that's how the book ends. Period. So. Right. You know, again, I know we're this Marvel Legacy, we're having to build up these moments. So, you know, not a lot is happening so far, but the next issue is who's in the armor. And, again, this is a whole book. Reeve Williams and Ironheart made a brief appearance. What is the, Brother Beavis, what is the, speculate, what's the future for Ironheart? I think that's a question that spans all these characters. And... Yeah. I mean, you can't, it's like how you, they've created the problem all over, and so how do you solve it in a way that's not all the same, right? You, you know, you can't, they can't all be sidekicks. They probably can't all get their books. They can't run around with people who are just, I mean, I, I don't know, because they've got to figure out a, a good way to do this and a good way to do it about six or seven times so it doesn't sound like they're telling the same story again. I really don't know. Sandman. Uh, Ironheart's legacy, or she doesn't have a legacy at this point. Yeah, she doesn't have. She hasn't been around long enough to have a legacy. Um, I think that she's due for uh, uh, the wonderful world of sidekicks at least for a while. I mean, because I mean, Tony Stark is obviously going to come back, and they can have her as Ironheart for a while. I mean, but you know, who is she going to fight? You know, she's going to not going to fight Iron Man's villains, or well. Maybe the ones that you know nobody cares about. That's usually what sidekicks get. They get you know side side jobs, side stories, stuff that nobody cares about. Um, yeah, I um, yeah I, I uh, told y'all on the the other uh, podcast like they had a uh, another version of Thor, uh, Eric Masterson, who ended up being Thunderstrike, and they ended up just straight killing him off mm-hmm. and be off for years because I actually liked that character, and uh, so. <laughs> I could foresee them doing the same with some of these characters and eventually kind of go away, you know, one way or the other, whatever that. Means. Maybe they could all they could take them all into another universe and have Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld draw their books for a year. Oh Lord, yeah. Uh, but you know, and that was the part of the thing too, though, uh, that they killed their multiverse. You know, that they yeah. killed the ultimate universe and. I think I think yeah. people would like kind of lightweight revolt if all kind of colored characters got sent to the yeah. multiverse. Yeah, like, right. Well, and they they took such great pains to tear down the multiverse. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Maybe maybe Reed comes back is like, hey, I've been out finding worlds, and here's one that needs heroes. So. Bye. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it just seems. They painted themselves into a corner. I think we talked about this when this first happened. I was like, at some point in time, you're going to have to rectify this, that the the, the white heroes are going to come back, and y'all are going to be with all these, you know, the, again, the Plessy versus Ferguson heroes, and like, what are we going to do with this dude? And we got two Spider-Mans. Let that mean, shoot, Miles Morales Spider-Man is super popular. So, like, I know yeah. I'm with that. But the other ones. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know that they're so popular that they can't do anything. Maybe Riri gets bumped down up to the um, to the uh, the champions. You know, I mean, in, in theory, that's probably where she would think to go and belong because of her age. Younger um, hero. Yeah, I mean, and she can't even go to the you know the Black Avengers, the Ultimates, because they killed that book. So yeah, uh, yeah, right. yeah. It uh, I don't know. It, it's just going to be weird. I think it's going to be one of those characters that it. What's that character from The Simpsons? Uh, Poochie the dog, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He, he died on his way back to his own, yeah. his own planet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Died the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> you got to be an old Simpsons watcher to remember Poochie the dog, by the way. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, you kind of talked about Thor. We're going to lead into our next book, Thor 700. And the fact that... Yeah. Not even a big deal in this whole process. Like, oh yeah, by the way, Thor's got seven hundred freaking issues. Um, that's great. Man, that's that. So I'm gonna let y'all lead on that. Right, reading Thor's books reminds me of reading Shakespeare at times. And I, <laughs> you're right. So, uh, I'm gonna let one of y'all take the lead on the Thor. Okay. Um, Beavis, did you read it at all? Or did I, I did. I did. But I think your knowledge is deeper than mine. Uh, I, the one thing I, one, the first thing I saw about it was this classic Walt Simonson picture on page I one. That was about the highlight. I actually thought he might have drawn that at first. I think it was Russell Dutterman, who's a great artist in his own right. Uh, but this is clearly a tribute to uh, Walt Simonson, drawn in his very uh, particular style, uh, with the oversized uh, boot uh, covers on on the knees and. Um, um, just his signature style, like it's hard to explain. But um, not only that, but there's a mention of his, uh, uh, a clear uh, shout out to him. I think it's, instead of Walt Simonson, I think the character's name was Simon Waltson. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't even really try to hide it very much. So, because uh, he, for those that don't know, Walt Simonson drew probably the one of the greatest heirs uh, in the Thor comic where he introduced Beta Ray Bill and I think his wife his wife was uh, Louise Simonson and uh, they created the character and uh, he was on that book for a long time he's got a very memorable style but um, but anyway uh, uh, to give y'all some background if, if those of y'all don't know there's been a war going on in the Thor books uh, Malekith the Accursed has launched a, uh, a war against basically the entire ten realms there's ten realms now uh Really? Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> the uh, you know the character uh, Angela. Yeah. And, and all the craziness that went behind that character, I believe. Um, was it um, old Spawn Boy? What's his name that created that character? Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane. There was some kind of legal battle between him and um, God, I can't think of anybody's name now. Um, another popular uh, writer and. Uh, Basically, the character was given to Marvel as a fuck you to Todd McFarlane. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, she and, came uh, over in Guardians of the Galaxy, didn't she? I think that, yeah, it started there or, or something at least. She's, they kind of retconned it that she's uh, another daughter of Odin, and so she's Thor's half-sister. And uh, But we're not even talking about her. But that, the, the realm, the tenth realm is called Heaven, spelled H-E-V-E-N. So, <laughs> yeah, whatever. So now there are ten realms, and Malekith is at war with, uh, he's invading all the realms. I guess he wants to take it over with maybe or maybe not Loki's help. He's been kind of um, in the background doing his Loki shit. Um, 
helping him out. But the book opens with Thor visiting. Um, go ahead. You were going to say something? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, Carnilla, the Norn Queen, uh, Queen of the Norns, say it right. The Norns are basically the fates, the same as uh, the uh, Olympian gods have. They basically weave the tapestry of that universe. It's the same thing, only as a guardian. Uh, trolls have been um, invading her, uh, well, trying to take out her castle, which is at the uh, roots of Yggdrasil, the world tree. We're getting deep, y'all. Hold on to me. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm finding the Norse, this is your Norse mythology lesson. Yeah, it is very much a Norse mythology lesson, but it's prevalent in the Thor books, and it comes up quite often. Yggdrasil is mentioned a lot because it's it goes through all the ten realms through all the dimensions you know it's like if uh if you destroy the world tree you basically destroy reality kind of it's been in uh many of the other Thor books yeah so three three pages into this i'm flipping back to the cover like did claremont write this (laughs) (laughs) you would think so yeah, you would think so because it is all it is. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, and this is what um, this uh, book is. Uh, Russell Dodderman starts the first couple pages with uh, Odin's son, the Thor that we know. He's called Odin Odin's son right now. He doesn't go by Thor, which is another crazy thing because the female Thor has the name of Thor right now. So mm-hmm. yeah, whatever that is. And Jane uh, Foster, and she's still dying from cancer, correct? Yeah, correct. I don't know how she's not dead already because <laughs> she gets treatment for her cancer, but when she transforms into the female Thor, it revokes it counteracts the treatment. Counteracts her treatment. So she's still dying, basically, in other words. so um, when, she, when she turns into Thor, it makes her die quicker or it's it counteracts the treatment yeah. so she gets yeah. she never gets her better. human form yeah now her you can't tell in uh her godly form as thor but they've never shown her face in her thor uh costume they she always wears uh, her helmet uh covers her face it's part mask part helmet and, and she can only stay thor for a certain amount of time after she loses mjolnir right i think so yeah it's just like they play up, they play that up at the end yeah, basically. So, uh, but anyway, Thor has promised Carnilla to protect her uh, castle from being destroyed by these uh, uh, trolls that keep attacking. And uh, what the trolls want is they want to uh, uh, destroy the Norns. The Norns who um, weave the fates, weave the uh, the pet tapestry of their reality. And basically, since the, the the trolls work for Malekith. Malekith wants to control his destiny. That's what this is all about. And uh, and so, while Thor is talking to her, uh, uh, another cadre of, of not just uh, trolls, but humans, frost giants, like all our Asgard's enemies, just show up and start attacking, and a battle ensues. And then after all that exposition, yeah. uh, producer alert. There's a there's a there's a lady that looks like a dude coming up. So nice. you know, that's your thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> this is the structure of this is to me is a little bit similar to the legacy number one book where you have like all these teasers for all these other scenes and then there is a story that runs through it. Yeah, it's it's a lot like that. It, it cuts through the uh, in and out of a whole bunch of different stories. 
because as soon as that battle starts, they cut to the female Thor, the current Thor, who is fighting the, the female Hulk. Hulk. The female Hulk. Not She-Hulk. Not She-Hulk. It's not her name anymore. That She's just the Hulk now. And uh, she's actually, she's like Grey Hulk with like green um, cuts on her or something. I don't know. I guess that's supposed to be her, her blood. Like she's in, been in battle or something. I don't know. Now, it, it, hold on. now is I thought Jennifer. I thought she died in uh, Civil she War. She didn't die. She got she got uh, knocked the fuck out. She <laughs> got like she got like wounded, and that's part of the reason why she's not really able to control her Hulk transformation <laughs> like she has been. Right, it's uh, like she was still Hulk. Yeah, she has no control over, and okay. she just. Yeah, she and Thor just getting a, uh, a fight and destroying the city. So I think they're at like LaGuardia Airport or something. Um, and she's gotten control of herself, and they're just blowing the shit out of the city. And then they cut again to um, um, uh, earlier, and uh, Dr. Foster sees Jennifer Walters in the hospital. She's going for a treatment, and she transforms into the Hulk at the hospital. And they show you how that came about. Yeah, I wasn't following the editing. I was like, are these pages yeah. out of order? I think I missed yeah, that. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. I went back a couple of times to make sure I didn't skip ahead or something a few times. So it wasn't just you. Yeah, it's kind of chaotic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. It, and oh, by the way, there's another Thor. Yes. I was just going to say, there's a lot of cutting through these. The <laughs> and see, this is like what I was expecting from the Iron yeah. Man book of like a, a, a roster of all the Iron Mans. But Thor, they they run down like 19 people who've been Thor in this book. Yeah, this the War Thor who was Volstagg, um, um, who got the ultimate Thor's hammer, who was dead. But the hammer, uh, it was all, uh, another whole book called The Unworthy Thor that uh, was a quest for that hammer. Uh, and that hammer eventually went to Volstagg, and he's basically just crazy, <laughs> crazy yeah. as hell, trying to uh, take revenge for his, um, I believe, his lost children. Uh, and, he's, and he's hooked on it, so if he sees it, he has to hit it. Yeah, it's so. like a drug. It's straight up like a drug. And so, yeah. I, I, I view Thor sometimes the same way as I view Hulk. You know, just a little bit is just enough. You know? <laughs> Especially in the comics, because he's so powerful. Right, and yeah. You're just like, well, I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to find villains to fight him because yeah. he's so powerful. Yeah, yeah they had to, in the early Avengers runs, they always had to, like, find ways for him to step out. Cause then, and then a lot of, half the time, after he did, he would just show up and solve their problems for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and all his usual, like, his big-time villains are all Asgard-level villains. He's always at home when shit's going on where he can actually fight somebody, you know, toe-to-toe or whatever. So, um, yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, they cut in and out of a lot of different Thors to kind of speed this up a little bit because we'll be going forever. Yeah. Uh, they've got you know, King Thor, who was an old, white, a grizzled, Odin-looking Thor at the end of time. Uh, they've got uh, young yeah, Thor. Young Thor, when he was before he was able to pick up Mjolnir. And um, Heimdall is all all of a sudden black in the comic book. Yeah, Heimdall is black now. Yeah, and Tom Hiddleston is in this book. Yeah, by the way, it is Tom Hiddleston. By the way, I'm just gonna ask: Are there any um uh, any uh, uh movie tie-ins? Oh, yeah. it's the, the way they draw Loki, or they, at least one person draws Loki, it's straight up Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, and oh, not only that, uh, uh, Russell Donovan draws Thor as uh, Chris Hemsworth. 
he very much looks like him in the face. So, yeah, yeah it, it's it's no big. Um, that's common. That's been that way for a while. Uh, uh, there, we do have an appearance of Ego and Galactus fighting each other, but mm. Galactus is, um, he's called Black Galactus. because <laughs> they right now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Venom. They could have done better than that. They could have made it like Galactus or something. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that. Uh, yeah. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He got the necro sword. Whatever the hell that is. Yeah. Is that something new? I have no idea. I don't know. The weapon of gore, the god butcher. But he was like, but Galactus, yeah, the sword took him over, and he's going on a, a planet eating binge. Even and he eats them like apples. He like, does yeah, like eating a big, yeah, it's like a, a, a core. <laughs> Like, the planets are just eating to the core. He doesn't draw the energy out of it. He eats it. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Ego, the living planet, shows up. Galactus is like, I ain't eating this core seed in there. I'm going to get me another planet. You took, like, Galactus, you, put, you took one bite out of this planet, and then we got a new one. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he says, like, he's eating his grandchildren, some of the planets he was eating. I mean, it, it's... Man, it's almost like Batman Flapstick 66. It's crazy. And, um, yeah, yeah. And so, eventually, Ego defeats the Black Galactus by biting his arm off because the, the Necro Sword takes him over. Yeah. And now it's, I don't know what they call it. It's Black Ego. No, he's Ego, the living black planet. Yeah, yeah. It's. <laughs> Yeah. Why is it you don't you you don't you can't be She Hulk or Lady Thor, but you can be Black Galactus <laughs> <laughs> or Ego the Black Planet? Yeah, uh, and it, I, they don't actually call either of them Black Galactus. <laughs> full disclaimer: We are maybe stretching the truth here, but, yeah. but that does happen. He literally does eat planets like apples. He is all black with basically the sword, and he fights Ego who. Bites his arm off. Yeah, and then he gets taken over, and it's uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. And then we get the yeah. Frog of Thunder, as if, as oh. if, yes. What? Yep. Yeah. Oh my God. Because <laughs> they have to go through every Thor. Although I don't know that I saw Beta Ray Bill in here. Now Beta Ray Bill didn't show up, so they didn't go through. But, every yeah. But Frog, the Frog of Thunder shows up, yeah. uh, and then poor editing, we're back into another more She-Hulk battle. Next it's page, hot. back in Odinson, fighting against the tree, mm -hmm. uh, get a couple pages of him, then back to She-Hulk and Thor, and they basically collapse the building on him. Then we get Malchus, uh, Dark Elves, so this is another movie tie-in, because they're all, they're inspired by the Dark World. Yeah, get some splash pages with all of them, and that's where the Tom Hiddleston uh, pose comes in. I think ultimately they they kill the tree. Uh, she Hulk gets defeated. Uh, uh, Lady Thor almost gets crushed in the building because she doesn't have Mjolnir, but Frog Thor saves her, uh, and Malkith does uh, pose with his with his villainous hand on his chin, and then we get. The final crossover of Sandman. Mm -hmm. um, shit, I got a, I got a 
catch up. I did blow by about 15 pages, but yeah, uh, yeah. We, we I didn't know it was galactic. I, I didn't know it was 55 pages either. And I yeah, neither did I. Yeah, I gasped when I saw that. Yeah, we get a, 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 a quick appearance of Hala talking with Thanos, and um, Halo, who's of course the goddess of death, and I'm sure there's no coincidence that the movie's coming out. She's starting the movie, and she's in the books now. Um, and um, she and um, Bo- uh, no, excuse me, Thanos got a thing going on. They're uh, they're lovers. It seems like. Uh, well, makes sense. Thanos loves death, or that version of death. So. Who knows where that's going? Um, and yeah, so this is the interesting thing to me because the Infinity Gauntlet was not—he was not in love with Hela. He was in love with the incarnation yeah. of Death. Um, and so now this is pretty clearly like, uh, yeah, but we're going to have a movie here, and it's much more convenient to have the Goddess of Death. So let's, let's start putting that in. And so yeah, and that I'm sure that's probably going to rear its ugly head in probably the Infinity. Gauntlet in the Infinity War. I have no doubt of that. Uh, and um, skipping close to the end, um, War Thor, who was Volstagg, just to bring y'all back up to date, is um, lands an old Asgard, which was the real Asgard, because they're in Asgardia now with another version of Asgard. I don't know. So um, he crashes there, and Thor's goat. <laughs> Uh, I think his name is Toothnasher or whatever. This is Toothnasher. I think the other one is Toothbinder. That's their names. Yeah, he gets basically, Thor's goat basically gets killed by the Mangog, which is, this is going deep into old Thor comics. The Mangog is one of Thor's most powerful villains. He's basically an entire race of uh, people who were transferred into, I, I don't know, he's a monster uh, into the rage of this beast, <laughs> I believe is how I've uh, heard it described. And he's almost invulnerable because they fought him many, many times. And um, he's going up against uh, War Thor at the, big, at the end of the book. And that's basically how it ends. Wow. And, so we yeah. skip this step, producer. Are you going to read Iron Man after this? Iron Man. That's usually the question we ask after we review these. Are you going to keep buying Iron Man? <laughs> because oh. I would like to answer the question: Am I going to keep buying Thor? But okay. I'll let you go first. <laughs> you know, I, I've I've been I was on an Iron Man kick uh, after Secret Wars three. <laughs> Uh, so I could probably see me continuing to to see how this turns out, to see how Tony Stark comes back. So yes, uh, are you going to go Thor seven oh one? No, no. <laughs> I will because I'm I'm a Thor fan. Although so there are times I wonder why, <laughs> but still, I'm used to the characters and I'm used to this nonsense. So I'm, I am going to see what happens. If they stripped out like six storylines from it, it's probably not that bad. But uh, that that was a lot of crazy in one book. It was a real crazy book. Yeah, it was, it was kind of hard to read at times, all the going back and forth between the characters. It, but, it seems like they were frying a lot of fish in there. Um, that you know, there were so many different stories going on, and you know, a, a book like that, it's gotten to be seven hundred issues. So I, I, I guess at a point, you know, 
I guess this is a callback since the book had been away for a while to kind of give everybody a little bit of what they wanted. It sounds like the main story thread between there might have been kind of interesting, though. Um, so, hmm. The main story is, yeah, they went back shit crazy in this one, but oh well. We'll see what happens. Yeah, usually on our uh, Throwback Thursday, we go to a classic X-Men story. Um, and we will next week because we're going to finally get to Inferno. Uh, but that's actually going to come up today anyway. <laughs> so yep. uh, we're going to go back to X-Men Blue and Gold. Um, over the, I guess over the last month or so, there's a crossover between the X-Men Blue and Gold teams. And I think it was X-Men Gold 13. Yes, X-Men Gold 13. Um, the whole team was back together, and they were playing um, – baseball or something at the at the at the mansion uh both teams were together uh these golden speaking of tropes by the way i feel like i've seen enough x-men softball games this is very true um (laughs) there was a uh these golden uh pillars or whatever fell from the sky and you know wasn't sure and then again eventually and we're gonna skip we're not even going to review that book the whole setup of that is that they were going to all, all the X-Men have been transported in a version of Mojo World um, where they're going to fight. The teams have been split up into all these different classic X-Men battles, and so we're going to kind of revisit some of the battles with the teams and kind of revisit some of the stories because actually a couple of them we literally just did on this podcast last yeah. week. Yeah, I would like to say that the art in X-Men Gold 13, and I don't know if this is from the same as, previous issues is just strikingly bad. Yeah. Uh, it's I, like he drew pictures of action figures because the people have like no expression. It looks like a book about dolls. Yeah, it looks like yeah, it looks like Anakin's fighting on some of them. I thought the same thing. Yeah, and if you remember X Men Gold was the book where which we reviewed on this podcast was the book where the guy got fired for putting in um like pro Palestinian yep. uh yeah. Really stuff in the book, so they were going to be. They've been kind of struggling to find a regular monthly artist uh, to begin with. I've been reading the book, but not you know paying that close attention to it. Um, but yeah, so we're going to start actually in X Men Blue Thirteen. Yes, X Men Blue Thirteen. It says it's Mojo World Part Two. We just reviewed Part One, which is really this the whole setup. And basically, the book kind of. Um, like I said, it goes through some classic X-Men stories. Uh, again, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that we have a text chain that goes around uh, while we're reading books and talking about nerd stuff. And uh, Brother Beavis's text last night was... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand what that meant at the time. And then I oh, I did. Yes, so the, the teams have been split up based on... I don't really know. Uh, they're just split up and based on things, and certain versions of their characters themselves. So, team number one is Bloodstorm. Uh, it's an older version of Cyclops. Um, we have they call her Prestige here, but she's in her her um, the Hound version of uh, yeah, yeah of Gray. Yeah. And you have the Days of Past Kitty Pride, and this is playing out on TV because Mojo wants ratings. And, you know, he's bringing the X-Men back really to play classic stories back. So this one, I believe, is Days of Future Past, the first one that they're in. Um, yeah. Uh, anything that drew, uh, stood out besides Bloodstorm, Brother Beavis? Um, 
Yeah, well, that was the, the one thing. Because I was like, okay, well, which terrible new mutants? I was trying to figure it out. And then I finally did. I was like, oh, really? So she must be like a, a uh, another version of something or other. But the other thing that bothered me is like, they need to get over the fact that there's three different versions from different timelines of every character and stop, like, working in a conversation. Because, yeah. like, the whole thing with Rachel and Scott, don't you call me dad. Don't call me dad. That's so weird. You're so old. But I'm young. It's just, okay. Like, you've gone down this path. Just, okay, we'll go with it. But just, just stop. Stop with all that. Yeah. I did like when Bloodstorm gets it, like the spear. I think that's how she actually, well, how the actual storm actually went out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, I guess. Um, you know, Mojo is not one of my favorites, but I yeah. thought it was interesting that the fact that they are going through, like, all these stories that we've been talking about for the longest time. Now. <laughs> And to bring and the books have kind of decided that at least gold has decided that you know what let's just go with kind of like the classic villains a little bit and um you know and kind of giving you a little bit of that you get a little bit of it in blue but mostly in gold they're just kind of giving you these classic villains and some of them doesn't make any sense when they're fighting Terex. I was like okay that makes no sense but yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was that and then team two is uh, they're, they're fighting the Asgardian War, As, Asgardian War, which, again, I think this was from a, the, the Avengers. This was a New Mutants crossover. Okay. Yeah, they got kidnapped by uh, the Enchantress for Loki. Loki sent the, Enchant- the Enchantress, excuse me, to kidnap them. The X-Men had to go to Asgard and fight him and his scheme. It was all a scheme of, like, get Storm to uh, work with Loki and... Something like that. I don't remember. Yeah. Somebody else wanted a taste of that sweet brown sugar, so we had to have a whole series about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And not just in my oatmeal. All right. So, um, <laughs> this team two is uh, Whack Angel, Logan, another Storm, Asgardian Storm, because she actually has uh, Milner and Iceman. Yeah. And they're fighting ice giants and whatnot. Um, it's you know, I mean, it's kind of just kind of classic comic book stuff and kind of just throwbacks into just kind of an era that probably nobody that's under a certain age has even read these books before because it doesn't even make any sense. And then it's another time right. team three, which is but if, but if you if you're having trouble following this book, we can recommend a series of like forty podcasts that will bring you up to speed. Uh, <laughs> It will sum it up very nicely for you with a lot of jokes. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, team three is Jean Grey, Time Displaced Jean Grey, Beast. Now, what version of Beast is that? Uh, I don't know if it's a specific version, and I, don't, I haven't got to the X-Factor part of Inferno if he ever looks like that. But I, I think also this is a play on his new magic powers since he's oh, the Doctor Strange Beast or whatever. Uh, yeah, there's Nightcrawler, there's Jimmy Hudson, Wolverine, and then there's Colossus. Um, and then this is playing really on, because um, uh, Jean is dressed as the uh, as Goblin Queen. And uh, right. again, come back next week. Um, uh, Inferno. I mean, it really, the book is really just basically a bunch of like kind of, 
they're not splash pages, but a bunch of just fighting scenes and kind of seeing that and then how it's being played out um, across America while people watch the ratings and whatnot. I mean, that's pretty much it. And, and Nightcrawler is from when when Ileana got pulled into limbo for the first time. Okay. They'll come and, up in and somebody needs to tell this dude that Colossus is fighting to be careful when you get to sleep or hold on you. when you wake up the next day. Yes. Uh, back to Mojo. And you jumped in before, too. You're not a big fan of the character. I, I can say uh, assuredly that when it first came out, he kind of scared me a little bit. So I didn't like really know what's going on. So, shockingly, he just scared me. The Sandman, I always you felt like there was... I always felt like there was more. There was just like I didn't know enough about him, and I think it's because I didn't read enough Excalibur or something. But I always felt like I never knew exactly what was going on. The motivation. Yeah, motiv- motiv- the motivation seems just dumb, um, even for comic books. So it's just like, oh yeah, he's like to put people. You know, he, I, I had this thought when I was reading it last night. I was like, so basically, he's just like a fat arcade on a different planet. You know, he likes to put people in ridiculous situations and watch it play out, but he just wants to have it play out for rating. So, the Sandman, were you a, a, a Mojo fan? Nah, I was never a Mojo fan. I hate Mojo. But they, yeah, like what you just said about his motivation, there is no motivation for Mojo. He's just fucking batshit crazy, which is one of the reasons I hate his, um, his books because, you know, it's just there's really no reason for it other than, I guess, to entertain himself and get his ratings. You know, he's just insane. He's kind of like the Joker, in a way. He's just a megalomaniac with a Twitter account. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. The last, it's just back to, um, what version of Cyclops is that, Dan? He looks like, um, freaking, uh... Yeah, he looks like he's Well, I was thinking he looks like, um, the dude from... Freaking uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. It looks like Star Lord. Star Lord? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, but well, like, Cyclops wasn't in Days of Future Past. He was dead. Because he was, he was the dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is what he might have looked like. No, oh, okay. If he had made yeah. it. Yeah. If he was wearing Wolverine's jacket. <laughs> and so as they are um, being put on the run... Um, in the Days of Future Past timeline, there is a save, a, a hot tag. Uh, you know, it is somebody who we've talked about. He's only got four digits. Uh, oh, Lord. Longshot! Yay! Longshot makes his return to the X-Men. He still sucks. <laughs> yep. He still sucks. And he's still with the cameras. Now, yeah. again, we talked about this before. Like, there's a point where he's in the books, and then he disappears. Did he go back to Mojo World? Does anybody know this? Yeah, I think... Well, he he appeared after the after they split and had the Jim Lee X-Men book. He actually appeared, uh, I think, in the first... Within the first dozen or so issues, they had another story where they went to the Mojo World again. And I think Dazzler... I think Dazzler came to them and said they, that... King of the X-Men said they needed help, and then they went. But I'm pretty sure at that point they like they might have defeated him, quote unquote, and we're gonna they were gonna work on making Mojoverse better or whatever. So yeah, I think that's the tr- that's true. And they they give us the motivation here is that he's been he's been streaming content out of Mojo's productions 
so people are following him instead of Mojo, and that's why the ratings are down. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But again, to boost ratings, Mojo has to go to his his ace. You know, he finds his card. Well, who could bring more ratings to? The X-Men, if they're fighting, and, you know, the last page of this book is they're bringing back Magneto. I think if I read this right, he was, yeah, okay, yes. Bringing back Magneto, that, that, and that is kind of a weird play because that, the blue team is actually being led by Magneto. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's a callback. But, but, yes, so that's how blue ends. And then when we shift into gold, uh, there's a great cover. But, I mean, I know you said about the art on um uh, the previous one, the art in these two books is really good. Um, you know, it's a, a lot better than what that was before. But yes, Magneto makes his return uh, into X Men Gold number fourteen, and um, yes, and we have this this all this whole battle thing again, kind of play out over a couple of different stories. Yeah, you know, again, did you see anything in this one that you know kind of you know brought you back to the that we talked about? Um, the, uh, the 90s S costumes were funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and then I, it took me, I got disoriented when, when Rachel was in the Jean Grey outfit. Yeah. Because yeah. she's actually surprised when he finds out that they're working for Magneto. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then once they start, you know, they start killing everybody in this one. So then it's like, okay, well, apparently none of this is real or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Okay. I don't, I mean, I'm trying to remember if anything, I'm like paging through it now, I'm trying to remember if there's any payoff. They do go back to the dumb mutants in the mansion. Yeah. I and I had that as one of my notes here, too, was I, I think it, one of the reasons that I maybe stopped collecting these books for a certain time there was that they kept going back to these mutants that nobody cared about, and they kept trying to push these yeah. people. Like like gold balls, and um, nobody yep. cares about gold balls. And who are all these other random mutants that were in the in the in the mansion? And they kept trying to push it. Yeah, that was that was Grant Morrison did yeah. a lot of that, and it was all like right. Morlock quality Morlock quality mutants all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it just never worked. And so, yeah. No. The next yeah. scenario that gets dropped off, which was Team Mutant Team Number Two, as they got switched into some '90s-like costume, is that they wind up in Genosha. When we just finished our podcast mm-hmm. in Genosha yep. and fighting against the magistrates, and even you know, even the press gang makes an appearance in this. And of course, you know, Angel headlong into something and gets his powers taken away because it's just you know that's what he would do, and you know that's perfect, you know, and. You know, I, and I, he also I needs to watch out for the sleeper hold. <laughs> when I was watching it, I thought it was kind of cool, though. I really did. Like, I just thought, you know, maybe it was because we've been reviewing these stories, and it was just like, oh, you know, this we kind of see this kind of as a throwback. But I thought that the, the idea of this is probably cooler than the execution of it. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be a, a cheap payout at the end. But, you know, as a nostalgia piece, you know, I thought it actually kind of worked. Again, we usually throw this back on Thursdays, but like I thought it kind of worked. Sandman, what did you think of these books? Um, it was certainly um, kind of confusing, but you know, weird um, nostalgia about it. Um, yeah, the 
the, the Gene Gray and uh, Madeline Pryor little meetup was kind of kind of memorable, but also strange because this Gene would never have met Madeline and shouldn't even know who the hell she is. But I don't know. They kind of just worked around that, and she ends up knocking her bitch ass out. <laughs> and um, um, it, yeah, it was strange. It was it was it was kind of strange. You had like certain people in different costumes where they never wore. You were talking about Rachel. Uh, in Jean's costume, and it was a little strange. Um, I don't know, but I mean that—that's what Mojo's like books usually are. Though they're always weird like that. Yeah. It's an interesting way to give a retrospective on the books rather than saying like you know, remember last issue, blah blah. You know, they don't literally go through it, but they give you all these throwbacks. Where I think part of legacy is they're trying to sort of atone for, in a lot of ways and over a lot of time, taking a huge dump on a lot of the books and the fact that, you know, they're showing uh, so much of the heritage here. I think, I think in a, in a way they're trying to say, uh, we didn't exactly forget about this stuff and it is still around somewhere. Right. Uh, uh, Logan back this one, uh, too. Yeah. Uh, he actually gets dro- a drop on a by magistrate, which is kind of funny because we all know that the magistrates kind of suck. Um, <laughs> it's true. And, that, and Storm catches it too, actually. And you know, and Mojo. Yeah, Iceman gets blasted yeah. apart. Uh, Archangel gets his neck broken, and that's where it's like, okay, well, clearly yeah, they didn't just kill off all people. people. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I kill all these people. Yeah, and um, so unfortunately, that means we're probably getting Bloodstorm back. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> well, there's that, but there's also the fact that you know. Th- it's going to also continue this storyline to get to its conclusion as well. You know, and again, it becomes one of these things, you know, you read these books now and it's just like, okay, so this is really just like a, it really is just a one-off over like several issues, you know, like there's no going to be any lasting repercussions. This is just like a, a Saturday morning villain that, you know, it has a couple of episodes and then you never see the person again. Like, I mean, that, that's really what it is. You know, Mojo won't be making any appearances again until, Shit, I don't know, 20 years from now when they, you know, when my kids are doing this podcast. Like, it's just not going to make, you know, any, you know what I mean? Like, there's just not going to be any repercussions from this. It's just a one-off. And then that's fine, I guess. But, you know, it, it's just a fun kind of comic book story. And, and, you know, sometimes that's a needed thing, you know, between all the tie-ins and all the, the crossovers. And that's fine. But, yes, you did bring up that Gene meets Madeline Pryor. And they have this little you know, back and forth, and, yeah, I mean, again, we're going to be talking a lot about Madeline Pryor on Inferno, and I think, like I said, I, it was kind of fun to see these stories as a, a kind of tied together with what we've been talking about on the previous podcast, so, uh, still too much right. kitty for you, she's still there, and <laughs> not a real big fan, um, it was a, a meme that I think I sent out to you guys that, you know, she appeared in her first X-Men comic 29 years ago, um, <laughs> uh, Wow, it's still too long. It's not, it's not enough time. Um, so yeah, that's Kitty, and like I said, and you know, I mean, the book really just kind of ends on a nothing note too. Um, you know, the, they go back to the Avengers versus X Men uh, scenario. Uh, did y'all read those books? Was that the Phoenix? Phoenix? Yeah, I've seen some of those. Yeah. Was that the yeah. Phoenix version of Cyclops? Yes, it is. Yeah, was that, was that the one with uh, that introduced Hope Summers, or was that another one I'm talking about? Yeah, there was the one with Hope Summers, 
and the Phoenix. Oh, she, but they didn't introduce her, I don't think. No, she'd already been oh, around. Okay. No, it's not that. It's just, yeah. But that was that, and the Phoenix eggs. and. But, it, the, yeah, the story was the Avengers were concerned that Hope Summers was going to get the Phoenix Force, if I remember right. That's why they went yeah. to war. But then Cyclops ended up getting it and empowering four other people. Yeah. yeah. Awful, right. by the way, too. God awful. Yeah, yeah. The classic confrontation between Cyclops and, and, and uh, Captain America. And it's like, just keep hitting harder. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Classic example. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the last scenario is uh, off to the Savage Land. And then there's a big Phoenix. A sentinel with the Phoenix effect, but there's also these other villains. There's the Four Horsemen of Apocalypse, Sight, yeah. Brood. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just a mess. I mean, and again. Has there ever been a side. Phoenix Force Sentinel before? Um, not that I'm aware of. I don't want to say no because it probably was. <laughs> I wouldn't put anything. Is basically what we're yeah. saying. Um, I mean, whatever. Like I said, I read it. I thought it was just like a cool little one-off. Uh, you know, these books are better than the X-Men books that I was reading before they relaunched Blue and Gold because at, at a point those books were just, they were almost unreadable. And um, right. so at least these stories make a little bit of cognizant, some consistent version of sense because the other didn't. And I... I you know, I like the X-Men being good. I don't always want to throw it back to Thursday. I'd like to be able to pick up a good X-Men book. You know, we reviewed um, the Astonishing X-Men on here, and, you know, I like that book a lot. It's by far my favorite of a bunch of them because it feels more like a comic book. Um, these books were feeling like a comic book, too, until they made, you know, decided to do this crossover, which isn't terrible, but it's just, you know, like I said, it's, it's mojo, you know, and Brother Beavis has been very consistent that these books and movies are really as good as the villain is, and it's mojo. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, the thing is, like, even if you like Mojo, he's still throwing nothing but robots at you. And I think yeah. we pretty well established if you're fighting robo- robots or nameless aliens, yeah. you're not you're not in a good story. You're not in a good yeah, story, pretty much. You know, because you know that random robot or random alien number seven four six two isn't going to actually kill Colossus. Probably, yeah. <laughs> he might not be, a, and might kill not- Angel. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think anybody complained about that. Yeah, nobody would. Real <laughs> quick, I, I, I think um, I think Mojo. There are some differences, but isn't he just another version of Arcade? I mean, basically yeah. traps them in his version of that little world. And yeah, that, yeah. To kill him. That's what I thought too. Yeah, he's I mean, just on a different planet yeah. and does all these weird things. You know, he just doesn't have. Was that Mrs. Who's that hot chick that used to work Mrs. for Arcade? Rock. Where he has lock, where he has a major domo. I think the difference is, Arcade actually has to construct his traps, and can Mojo not just create these realities? Yeah, pretty much. He's got. He's I mean, I think he does have the resources of all these people, but I think he's. And he says he he basically calls himself omnipotent or all powerful or whatever in the story. So, right. All right. So yeah, that was about to wrap up the Thursday show. Uh, is that a book, Brother Beavis? Is, is that a book, like the Blue and Gold books that I consistently read, or is this like, meh, we'll do it for the podcast? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that they've figured out what they're trying to do yet. You know, I don't, I don't know that they've figured out what the books are going to be or what point they're trying to say. 
Um, have they even have they disclosed what Magneto's role is yet? Because I, I think I've read the first four, or so and then these. Um, no, not really. Uh, he's it's actually he was in the first few books and then he kind of disappeared a bit. This whole situation with um, Jimmy Hudson uh, has kind of taken yeah. over the book and uh, it just and, made it less Miss Lannister or whatever. Yeah. Um, and and again, that's another alternate reality situation, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's not. It's made it less enjoyable for me. Uh, so he's kind of been put to the side a little bit while they deal with this Jimmy Hudson thing. Um, yeah, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Sandman is that a book that you would so, like to with? Sorry, go ahead, Brazil. I was just going to say, so like, not consistently at me at this point for me. Okay, Brazil. Uh, yeah. Sandman. You would continue. Yeah. Um. Yeah. As far as like um, um, is is gold the one with the um um pretty much the current X Men or is that yeah. uh, is it black? Black. I can't, I can't Kitty Gold is Kitty Pride and Colossus and yeah. 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 That's the one I'm. That's the one I'm getting kind of struggling with. I've been at least interested in like the uh, original X Men line just to see where they go and like the the whole thing of them Magneto's kind of being their secret mentor right now. I'm. Kind of following that more than I am the gold because uh, I don't know just the 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 way the team is made up in gold is kind of old man Logan. I mean ugh, I don't care. <laughs> some of the some of the some of the picks they have are curious. I thought. Um, well, and then the other storyline there is Prestige and Nightcrawler hooking up. Yeah, that is a new. Oh, are they hooking up again? Because yeah, oh, they hooked up back in the caliber days too a little bit. They didn't do much on it, but. They they laid the groundwork for it. Put it that way. Uh, well, that at least so. makes a little more sense. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. He's got a thing for red. Yeah. In the man, yeah. it's Cuckold Colossus, <laughs> Storm in her feels, Kitty Pride trying to prove herself, yeah. Nightcrawler trying to trying to hook up, and Old Man Logan. I mean, that's not yeah. that's not a great not a great lineup. They were reaching, boy. Well, you know. They're like Fox. Got to have a Logan like stuck in the middle of every one of their books. It's just a terrible, <laughs> terrible uh, uh, friend they have going. As we wrap up, uh, one of the things that did come out here recently was um, the Black Panther trailer. It premiered earlier this week. Um, uh, so I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, you know, before we wrap up, uh, the Black Panther comes out in what February. Um, uh, it had yeah. one from before uh, this trailer. Uh, my initial thoughts was like, man, that looked really cool, and literally told me nothing about what this movie is about. Finger um, <laughs> bad thing. So, uh, Sandman, what did you think of the Black Panther trailer? Um, I liked it. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, obviously, well, you know. Uh, being black folk ourselves, uh, as, as far as the producer and I, I mean, <laughs> it, I always go. <laughs> it, I, I always go not like the other one. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Sorry, dude. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I always go back to like when I see it. It's like it, it is important to have representation. You're seeing someone that looks like you on the big screen, you know that. Um, and this is the first time you're seeing a, a black cast of of such importance and um, skill together from um, a superhero movie, at least. So um, 
that alone makes me want to go see it. And um, I wasn't exactly a huge Black Panther fan growing up, but of course I knew about him. And um, what I saw looks interesting, at least. Um, it looks more like I've heard it's um, going to be more of kind of like James Bond uh, crossed with, um, I forget what the other movie they said was. There's two genres they kind of put together because, you know, that's what Marvel's trying to do and, and Fox trying to put the superheroes in different uh, genres to kind of keep it fresh, which um, is the only way they're going to be able to keep these things going long term. So I like what I saw. Okay. Brother Beavis, did you see the trailer? <laughs> so I guess I have to root for Claw then. <laughs> <laughs> or um, the other dude, the, the other white guy is there. You can refer him to him. Yeah, one, uh, Frodo. I think uh, or Bill yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, So I didn't watch the new trailer, but I read, I watched yeah, I read like a what what we learned from it or something like that, and it looked like it was just some extended cuts of some of the previous scenes. I think it looks like it's the setting of Wakanda is, is fantastic, and I think, like Sandman said, however they break the mold on these movies to make it feel like not the twentieth superhero movie, um, that's I'm interested to find out. How that looks. It looks great. Black Panther was great in uh, Civil War, uh, so I'm I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah. I I thought it like I said I, I you I watched the trailer a bunch of times and I'm like I have no idea what this is about like literally you know but you see the kind of cut scenes and you know you get a chance to see you know uh, Michael B Jordan as Killmonger and you know you see him yeah. in that too you know I read all the recap things too like yeah you know I mean. There's obviously going to be some sort of battle between, you know, both of them, but, you know, the final boss battle, you know, with his version yeah. of the Black Panther suit and, you know, and, you know, Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther, you know, and looks like, you know, maybe Suri's got a suit there, too. Um, you know, yeah. it looks like one there that's like, for her, you know, I mean, it, it, I mean, it kind of, it just blew me away about how it looked, like, visually. You know, I think some people were worried yeah. about oh, Civil War came out, I was like, man, they're about to give us some freaking whatever version of Wakanda or something that's going to look all, you know, beat down or whatever. And I think, you know, Marvel has put much effort and money into this, you know, and I think some put out, you know, yeah. so non-black people are going to go see this movie. And I think, you know, there will because of the, the continuity between all the Marvel movies. Like, man, I have to see this yeah. because you know, whatever's going to happen in, like, Infinity War six months from then. And, you know, they're going to go and see it. And they'll lie and say that they didn't, but they'll go and see it because, you know, that they have to. It's I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. The one thing that kind of bugs me is, like, how much he gets from his suit. Um, and I guess it's armor and whatnot, but, you know... I'm used to Black Panther was just, you know, he he was everything without a suit. His suit was just a yeah. disguise. But you know now, yeah, you get yeah. different versions of this. That that's the part I, I'm leery about. Hmm. So it's kind yeah. of like Iron Man, like yeah. how super. Yeah. 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 I'm talking about it all. Yeah, I mean, and there is that too, you know, and you know, kind of like the cartoon where he was like throwing like antimatter or whatever. Um, you know, it looks like there's mm -hmm. a version of that in there too. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, you're gonna have to give him some version of something, you know, because he's just gonna wind up being essentially Batman if you don't. Um, so yeah. I, I think they have, you know, they're gonna have to do something to give him a little bit of power to make him 
separate and, da- and dangerous in and of itself to make him a formidable, you know, hero. And uh, I, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yes, the genre needs a, a definite boost, change, or whatever. It, all of those things are needed, so hopefully they can do something to make it, you know, kind of worth our while. So I'm excited. So. Okay. Now, Thor is coming out in, like, what, three weeks? It's got a, a 100% rating on Rock goes as of today. Uh, most of the reviews have been like, this movie is awesome. Um, the first Thor movie I thought was really good. The second one I, I liked, but not as much. Uh, so right. the potential of the rubber match being the best of the bunch of them uh, kind of is kind of exciting. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, have you read any of the early reviews, uh, Sandman? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, as I work, I was reading, as uh, I guess before, it was like noon when the um, embargo finally dropped. So it, YouTube all of a sudden just got a ton of, like, um, Thor reviews and stuff, and I started watching them mm-hmm. at lunchtime. And, um, yeah, they've um, all pretty much, the consensus was the same, that it's probably the funniest Marvel movie, which if, if you do or do not like that. I mean, some some comic fans seem to think that's a bad thing, but I don't I don't really care as long as the story is good and I'm fine with humor. Um, it sounds like um, Chris Hemsworth's kind of found his niche as far as like he's kind of a comedic uh, actor. Uh, he can do serious because I, I I agree with you. I like the first two Thor movies. Thor uh, is a very hard one to uh, pull off, and I thought they did that very well with the first one trying to introduce Asgard and make it believable is no small feat. And uh, um, I think with this one, they've uh, finally hit the stride. And this, this is the last one in the series, more than likely. But uh, um, I think it's going to be very good. Um, they um, uh, got the uh, director, what's his name, Taika Waititi, which was an interesting choice. But, uh, it looks like they found it. I've heard they found a good blend between comedy and um um, action and uh, drama at the end, from what I heard. So I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Lewis, I think you're a bigger fan of Thor 2 than I am. Uh, but are you, yeah. I mean, are you getting? Are you excited for Thor? You know, for Ragnarok. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I think uh, I think like Sandman said, I'm real curious to see what the blend is because it could be too much. Um, I think a lot of the like a lot of the, the funny scenes in the earlier movies, like where Thor hangs Mjolnir on the coat rack and stuff like that. I, I love that. I think it's hysterical, and I think the stuff that they've released as special features, where he's got his roommate and he's uh, you know all that stuff is, is hilarious. But does it does it sort of break the mold too much? Would be my one concern. But yeah, I thought. Thor 2, The Dark War, I guess Thor The Dark World, was to me, it was, like, I was remember watching it at the end, I was like, man, this is like a comic book come to life. It was like, it was, I, I felt like they, they evolved the design of Asgard, where I thought the first one was a little CGI heavy, this one looked a little more lived in. Um, yeah. The design of the villains, even though they were nameless aliens, I thought, you know, they were cool and menacing, and I, I liked the second one a lot. Um so, and I think the other thing too is this movie looks like it saves us from a full-length World War Hulk movie, which is probably a good thing. Uh, so, got that too. That, yeah, that, they had the full. I think they would have done that. By the way, so yeah, you're right. It probably did save us from it. Yeah, that would be a bad idea. That kind of sucks, uh, in my opinion. Um, okay. 
right. Cool. So, yeah, so we got to wrap this up. Um, you find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, not a lot of whole Brothers Comics news, I don't believe. I don't think. Nope. That's about it. Um, so, yeah, so next week, uh, depending upon the new releases, I'm not really sure yet, but definitely next week uh, we will start probably part one of the Inferno uh, as far as Throwback Thursday for the X-Men and finally get to it. I'm looking forward to reading it again. I kind of already read it, and um, just because the books are very Claremonty and dense, and I want to make sure I have a good kind of grasp on the whole thing. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, so as the producer of this podcast, I'm going to sign off. Brother Beavis, sign up. All right, I'll see you in the inferno. That's nice. All right, and Sandman, sign off. Sayonara, Thornton, we will see you in the flames of inferno. Awesome. All right, guys, take it easy. Peace. All right, peace.